All right. Well, welcome to Real to Real. Welcome. Welcome to 2020. <laughs> it's a new decade. 2020. I'm around the whole election. Yeah. Who's that? <laughs> it's Is that jump? Does that jump man? <laughs> no, that's no. That is facts. Facts. Which okay. is the rip which on. sounds like jump man. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. That's the one I always skip. But there's one line where he says, "2020, I'm around the whole election." Yeah. And it's like still, we we're still waiting. Got time. I yeah. mean, yeah. Bloomberg's in it. He's like a born again Christian now, though, so I think he might be. <laughs> he might be past that. Might need to go to the other side's primary. <laughs> Oof. Um. Yeah. So we wanted to do a best picks of 2012. Uh, I was about to say 2012. <laughs> My best picks. These are the best ones I could come up with. The best ones for you personally. Yeah. This yeah. is not the um, supreme critical opinion. Uh, who knows? It's just two. <laughs> Just cre- critics being critics. Yeah, just What's a guy and that? a girl. <laughs> <laughs> just each side of the gender coin. Just guys coin. being dudes. <laughs> um, and the reason why we're doing this, you know, 13 days into 2020. Oh. I think it's good. Well, <laughs> well, I'm lazy. I already put my piece out back in December, but Nina had to wait <laughs> to see Cats because she just wanted to make sure that it... On the off chance that it ended up in the top five. You know, December's a big time for, like, the awards contenders. I wasn't going to so, tell like, you what one of my picks... <laughs> What if I really did pick cats? I mean, we can talk about cats. I would do a whole bit. Yeah, wait, you you said you wanted to keep it a tight 30 minutes, but then I was going to ask you, where are we? when are we going to discuss cats? Oh, like, yeah. where's the built-in That'll, time? Okay, yeah. The cats well, corner? I don't want to take too much time, just <laughs> in the interest of, you know, not lingering on the past. You know, we're in a new decade. All the year enlists were done by, like, the first week of December. Yeah. You know, because they start coming out on, like, Thanksgiving. Right. Um, so we won't waste too much time with this, but we wanted to give... Waste. <laughs> we if won't spend too much time on this. You're wasting, wasting your time. time. <laughs> you're wasting our time. <laughs> we're wasting yours. Grow up. Just... <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, the, the Oscar nominations also dropped yeah, today, and so which that's we should relevant get into news. Yeah. Um, you, you might end up coming up in the conversation about your movies. Exactly. Um, but we can start, I guess I can start with music since... Okay. I, I know, I, I basically have notes since I already wrote about these you things. You didn't give me time. But... <laughs> I'm going to say stupid things. I mean, it's not like notes make that much of a difference anyway. I don't know. True, it, I say stupid things with notes all the time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I picked three, I, I published five in, in, my, in my piece for mm-hmm. The Chronicle. Do <laughs> Chronicle that I was uh, that I submitted to the Chronicle, the venerable <laughs> publication, and then I um, uh, sh- shut it down. I did not allow. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, my editor just like <laughs> tore it apart. So my first pick is an artist that I discovered this year. Well, last year now in 2019. Probably my. I feel like every year I have one new artist I discover and get like mm-hmm. super into. Uh, in 2018, it was U.S. Girls. Um, 2019 it was Katy Perry. <laughs> you know. <laughs> she had I a big had to, year, you know. It kind of makes sense. I mean, I think as with US Girls, not exactly a household name, but a sort of avant pop, like art pop indie mm-hmm. sort of became pretty big in the indie world. Uh, this year it was Kate LeBon, who released an album called Reward in, I believe, May or June. Mm-hmm. So Kate LeBond is a Welsh singer-songwriter. Mm-hmm. Um, she's released five albums so far, but like pretty quietly, like pretty under the radar. Her previous release was called Crab Day, and it was released on Drag City in 2016, which is a pretty big indie label that's put out stuff by like Joanna Newsom, hmm. 
uh, Silver Jews, which okay. we'll actually get to them in a little bit. Okay. Um, Bonnie Prince Billy. So they're kind of like, you know, they're the, the top tier of like, you know, respected indie labels. Mm. Uh, this year she released her album on Mexican Summer, the mm-hmm. label of Wiseblood and Mitski. Okay. Uh, well, Wiseblood's on Sub I know that. Now. I know She's those. She's in big leagues. I know those. Yeah, too. yeah. This album's really interesting because it's kind of a, what you might call a slow burner. Oh. Um, they're not exactly any, not like a, not big like hooks or like any one song that could stand as the, the the hit single or whatever. But mm-hmm. Kate Lebon is is just really good at arranging, and she has this way of building her songs that almost feels like. The word that comes to my mind is architecture. Every piece in the arrangement works for something. There's nothing superfluous, and it's like... She's a guitarist primarily. She's also a singer, and like her voice is a very integral part of it Mm because she has a very distinctive kind of voice that's in the... Sort of like Nico, if Nico were a good singer. Okay. Um, Kind of in that like alto range Mm -hmm. with the... A little bit of like the affectations. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got a Welsh accent, so you know it's going to be there. Mm-hmm. That's, um, her, that's her thing, her bit. But what I wrote about this is that <laughs> her songs are constructed like cubist edifices. Guitars oh. sound like percussion, saxophones sound like guitars, measures move along like oblong shapes. And so it's, it's pop music, but it's very, um, it's experimental in a way that's very intentional. And she's pulling from all of these inspirations like. 70s post-punk and dub synthesizing like disco and world music and punk into one thing and i actually started following kate lebon's spotify playlist a couple months ago wow that she made this year and it's pretty great like it's <laughs> and you can see like where she's one of those artists she has a spotify playlist but it's like a good it's you can tell it was well curated <laughs> and you listen to it and you're like oh it makes sense that these are her influences because she's definitely mm-hmm. got a very rich uh musical vocabulary um, so that was Reward by Kate LeBond was the, I guess I would say if I had to pick a number one for the year, that was the album that I kept coming back to. spirit of uh discussing people that we got into in 2019 <laughs> um he knows what's going i know where it's going <laughs> in 2019 i discovered something that i mean was decade defining and i was so late to the party right at the end too i know yeah. um it defined 2019 <laughs> and it defined the whole decade on cinema that's cinema. pretty like Posted by me. And you're someone who, like, knows a lot of culture. <laughs> so the fact that this well, one piece, like... <laughs> I get, yeah. I mean, it's funny. I Totally love, rocked your world. Well, yeah. I also, I discovered Nathan Fielder in 2018. And then when I discovered Tim oh, okay. Heidecker's work, it made sense that they are, like, related. Because it's very similar. They're not, not biologically like, no, 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 no. related. I meant, like, <laughs> like the, the production company that produces sure. Nathan for you is the one that's owned by Tim Heidecker. Um, so uh, my pick, my first pick, is Mr. America. Um, it's directed by Eric Notarn. I don't know. <laughs> Notarnicola. This is a friend, friend of the of, friend of the show. Friend of the show. And okay, for the uninitiated, on cinema at the cinema is a web series that was created in 2011 by two 
uh, amazing comedians, Tim Heidecker and Greg Turkington, and they play really fictionalized pro, uh, versions of themselves. And on its premise, it is, for all intents and purposes, it is a movie review show. Um, but underneath that surface is so much more. And on the long journey that the show has taken, it is a character study more than anything. Yeah. There's it, intrigue. There's the best crime. part. The best part is okay. So this is why Mr. America was so good is because everything takes place in that movie theater, right? But you hear so much about what happens outside that movie theater, but you never see in it. these characters. It's like the best lives. stage play ever, right? Yeah, yeah everything yeah. happens off stage, and then you just see them debriefing about it. So Mr. America follows Tim Heidecker um, after he is acquitted of manslaughter, mass manslaughter, um, for killing 20 people at the Desert Sun Music Festival. <laughs> None of it's real. But basically he got really into vaping, and then he started selling these vapes, and they exploded and killed a bunch of people. And <laughs> there was, and Tim Heidecker and co. put on a four-hour trial. I watched all of it. And this is in the run-up to Mr. America. In the run-up to Mr. Trial. America. It is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. I mean, it is beautiful. It is like improv method acting to to its finest. Which and one? I mean, The Irishman at three and a half hours or like the trial, <laughs> trial at four like hours? Four and a half, like, yeah. They put it on at like... If you had oh, four, if you had like four hours left, to, you know, they say like those YouTube videos where it's like doctor yeah. tells you you have four hours left to live. Mm-hmm. Are you yeah. choosing The Irishman or are you choosing... Uh, oh, I'm choosing The Trial of <laughs> Um, And so he gets acquitted, right? Yay. And then... He decides his next his next victim, his next thing he's going to focus on is the DA who tried to get him convicted, Rossetti. He calls him Why the rat. He, just he let says, it you're rest. a rat, Rossetti. just let it rest. Because that rat needs to be out of office, okay? He <laughs> cannot be. And so Tim takes him, he defends himself, he ends up firing his lawyer, and he is let off on a hung jury. The idea is that he, Tim maybe paid off a juror, but he takes it upon himself to run for the DA, jury. and it is, by all accounts, a, mo- a straight mockumentary. I mean... In many ways, it is just one big advertisement for on cinema at the cinema. But even if you haven't been embedded in that universe, it is very funny. And, like, Tim Heidecker is one of the best comedians out there. I mean, I... (laughs) He looks so stupid. Like, it's just... It's perfect. It takes on, like, the absurdity of politics now. And, like, and you can make, say, a lot of things about the Trump era and... How it's ushered in, yeah, a whole class of politicians who are just idiots and, you know, want to make America great again. Yeah. The he was refrain... kind of ahead on that, though. Huh? Yeah, like, he, was, he was. like... I mean, his character has been, like, a right-wing nut yeah, since like, the beginning. Yeah, like, our values are under attack. That was, like, yeah. late Obama era, so he was sort of, like... Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, like, feeling the white lash, right? Sure, yeah, like... tapped into, like, the... Yeah, and um, his refrain, his MAGA refrain is, we have a rat problem. And the rat is Rosetti. And so at one point he makes signs that say we have a rat problem. And he's like going to businesses asking like restaurants, can I put the sign on your window? And it says we have a rat problem. <laughs> it's like an, it's, and it's, it's very, very Nathan for you. It's very funny and very good. Um, and I think everyone in the film knew what was happening. But he it, it seems like people are not in on it. Real and, people. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is extremely funny. And this is just it is more of a plug just for the show at large. It all exists on YouTube. It's all online. And there's music. He makes Tim makes music. He does a TV show called Decker. It's like a spy show. It's all very good. It's there's. I mean, it must be at least like 20 hours of content, and it's all brilliant. So that's my first pick.
Yeah, I'll watch Mr. America, but first I have to watch you know. On Cinema the proper way yeah. from the beginning. There's a whole timeline. Really understand the universe. On cinematimeline.com. It's a fan made. Yeah. The fan base is crazy. That's the uh, best part of it. Yeah. I feel like it seems like one of those things where the fans would just be insufferable. It's a cult, yeah. Yeah, yeah. just like Reddit Reddit guys. Yeah. <laughs> now you're one of them. And me, yeah. So. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. All right. Uh, my second pick for music this year. So this one is a bit more of a, uh, a pop record. Oh, they're still pretty, like, I'm always surprised by how much this artist remains kind of under the the, the top tier. Um, so FKA Twigs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Known by many as the ex-girlfriend of that Robert Pattinson. One. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, who makes that weird music? <laughs> that's, that's what, that's like, the, the fans knew her as. Yeah. Well, she did make, like, she started out as kind of an indie darling. Like, Pitchfork was one of the ones that I remember being really on to FKA Twigs in, like, yeah. 2014. Yeah. So she was, like, kind of, like, the, the mix of, like, musician, performance artist, like, mm-hmm. persona. weird, like, digital persona. <laughs> um, and I was sort of late to the game with FKA Twigs because I wasn't, like, I like her stuff from, from LP1, which was her first album, but I didn't, like, love any of it. Two Weeks is, like, a, I think her most famous one from that album, and it's a great, like, mm-hmm. uh, a great pop song. Um, but I didn't realize really until Magdalene, which was her second album released this year, like how like insanely talented she is. Mm -hmm. So number one, she started out as a, as a backup dancer for like musicians. I think that was how she started her career. She grew up in like rural England. Um, Okay. Started as a dancer first. I didn't know she's a Brit. (laughs) Oh, that's unfortunate. Uh, <laughs> do you didn't know she was Brit? No. Oh, have you ever heard her speak? No. And like, she's like I... so British that like you can hear the accent like in singing, like like which, Kate like, Ash or something. Like... I never listen to what you listen to. <laughs> You're far more like sophisticated taste like, than I. I don't know. You dragged me in saying that my album of the year would be Kim Petras's. Which, was like, I wrong? I mean, my real may like <laughs> I mean, if turn I want, off the lights volume one. If I wanted to impress you, will my answer would be Angel Olsen's All Mirrors? I'm but not maybe impressed. that wouldn't impress you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well then that's my answer. All right, so jeez. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, so and her real name, by the way, is Talia Barnett. So mm-hmm. Talia, she started out as a as a dancer. It's not like she was a dancer and then became a musician, like. Uh, there are definitely some <laughs> one of the Disney stars. Who, I don't know. Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah. they're like dancing, and then they're like, "Oh, let's have you." Sing I can now. do this. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like Nico, where she was a model, and they were like, "Jeez, you're just crapping on Nico today." Nico kind of sucks. I mean, Nazi, but she's yeah, she's like a literal anti-Semite. Um, she can't sing for her life. <laughs> wow. Okay. She got all of Velvet List Underground to like hate her so much enemies. that they kicked her out. Katy Perry, <laughs> Nico, Nico, Bob Dylan, <laughs> Woody Allen. <laughs> Uh, and Morrissey, the and, one uh, Chris Nolan. Chris <laughs> Nolan. <laughs> anyway, yes. Um, so she's a Brit. She's a Brit. She's a dancer. She's a singer. She can do it all. She's a triple threat. Um, <laughs> and she's also lately like with the rollout for Magdalene. Uh, like she has a great Instagram account. Would recommend following her because she just has like these elaborate costumes and like mm-hmm. always is dressed like yeah. It's to about the, the persona. Extreme. Yeah, and it's the persona, but like. The thing about her is that it's not just the persona. Mm-hmm. Like, she has the aesthetic, obviously, but it's in service of, like, this sort of auteur vision. Yeah. And she's obviously, like, she's extremely talented musically. I mean, I think that, like, my hot take is that she's probably one of the best, like, vocalists right now. Like, 
the way that her range, like how versatile her range is as a singer, mm-hmm. um, and like in Cellophane, which was the lead single from the album mm-hmm. and the last track, um, like she's able to go from sort of like this, you know, like very vulnerable cracked whisper to like these high falsettos, um, and she's sounds just very in control of her voice and of her and of her image and like everything down to the production. Um, yeah, and I haven't even really talked about like the backstory for Magdalene is that she so she broke up the Robert Pattinson and that was big. Like, obviously, it was a very emotionally wrenching time mm-hmm. and being under all that public scrutiny. Um, and then she also had fibroid tumors in her uterus. Oh wow! And had to get those removed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was very like long, painful recovery. Those are pain. Yeah, that's painful. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of like what's been going on in the last five years because she's been kind of like silent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she came up with this album, and it's just this really great, like, it's only nine tracks, which is kind of short for an album, but, mm-hmm. like, every song, you know. It hits. It hits, yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, that's that's number two. I just want to feel your I try, but I get overwhelmed When you're gone, I have no one to turn My 2020 resolution is listening to the music. <laughs> well, it tells me I listen to it. takes me just like, it takes me a long time. No, 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 it's hard. I don't <laughs> take recommendations very well. Yeah. I have to come to it, come to it on but my But see, own it's time. easy. Yeah. I make you sit down with me and watch a movie. But movies are different because it's like someone... a one-time experience, whereas music you sort of have to like right. immerse yourself in it over time. Right. Yeah. You can like literally sit me down and make me listen to it if you want. It's fine. No um, one wants to be that person though. That's the thing. Like movies are different because it's like communal, but like music, it's like. Um. Listen to this. No. Can you put headphones over my ears, please? <laughs> my second pick is a film that was, I mean, very, I mean, amazing. <laughs> I loved it, and I was really shut out of honestly every award ceremony which is extremely disappointing but it's hustlers by laureen scafaria and that is bo burnham's girlfriend (laughs) not to make her tied to a man but i mean the talent they can go home tonight and talk about how much we hate the academy for snubbing them so bad um eighth grade justice eighth grade oh yeah no it was closed out um but i mean Hustlers was amazing. It was a huge box office hit. It grossed over $150 million. And it was directed by a woman. And was it written by a woman? I think she... Yeah. See, you know, let me do research. I think she wrote it. But, yes, she wrote it. And, okay, first of all, it's based on a true story. So it's based on this article that was written by a journalist. And this creates the frame narrative for the film. Um, She interviews this woman... I think it was in like 2015, later 2010s. And there was this woman who basically was in on this huge scam that went down uh, around 2008, like right after around it all. One of the centering events, one of the centering events was the financial crisis of 2008. Um, But the film spans over a lengthier amount of time, I think around five years. So they run. It's so okay. So (laughs) let me take it from the start. Takes place in a strip club and Jennifer Lopez. God bless her such an amazing performance is one of like the head honchos at the strip club she's one of the big money makers 
and Constance Wu's character comes in and she's really looking to make money. She's a single mom. And so Ramona, JLo's character, takes her under her wing and really helps her um, make money. And they do this by sort of like, well, first it's just like getting men to come to the club and like pay for stuff. And then they start doing this scam where they get men really, they drug them. They get them really drunk and they drug them. And then while they're passed out, they just kind of like take their card and swipe it and charge a lot of money. And then their rationale is like, he'll be so embarrassed by it. Like, you can't refute that, you know, like, what are you going to say? Like, you were at a strip club and spent a lot of money. Um, So they just start doing this, like, hustle. Uh, And things fall apart, obviously, as they do. (laughs) And then, like, the real reason they started doing it is because of the financial crisis. Like, the Wall Street guys stopped coming in and, like, (laughs) spending all the money or whatever. But one of the most, I mean, amazing things, other than just seeing a woman or seeing a film made by women for women about women, nowhere, I mean, you're literally watching the woman watch another woman. That, to me, is, like, uh, cool. Like, very rarely, I mean, I rewatched The Sopranos last summer and Strip Club is one of, like, the central mainstays of the show and like you're always in this watching men you can talk about the Laura Mulvey yeah like male gaze is yeah you're always watching men watch women and one of the best scenes in that film is Jennifer Lopez coming out and stripping her heart out to Fiona Apple's criminal (laughs) and it is amazing and you're watching Constant Wu's character watch her and she's just so awestruck and it's like you get to see the art and that performance and not the objectification of it I mean you can be like she's because she is that woman is 50 and she looks incredible She's 50? her like body like how do you that's a hard yeah. stripping is hard interesting thing okay. i didn't mention fka twigs got really into pole dancing uh-huh. that shit kills your body i mean like you have to have well like, she's like incredibly in shape obviously <laughs> yeah but, um, well another got an example of like jack of all trades. giving it this sort of art yeah and for it her is... it's like this very like cathartic experience and was like very central to yeah and, healing and if you feel it in any way like reclaiming uh again like the objectification of women and being on the pole is usually about being gazed at but if you choose not whatever um but anyway i mean one of my favorite writers over at the new yorker gia tolentino mm-hmm. wrote about the music specifically in the film in hustlers yeah and she says it basically represents it's like the soaring stupidity of America at the time around the financial collapse and just like everything. Are there that a lot of afterward. like 2008? I mean, we have Make It Rain, down, down, down. Shake That Monkey, Monkey by Lil John. Uh, I get Money by Fifty Cent, Fifty Cent. Uh, Beautiful Girls by Sean Kingston, Give Me More, Real Britney Spears. Girls. Yeah, where'd he go? Uh, he was Love that old in Duke this, a couple years ago. He was Love in This Club by Usher. Club Man. can't handle me. I mean. And then they cleanse, they close it out. One of the last songs is Royals by Lord. So really kind of signal, a little anachronistic. A little signaling to you. Well, no, because the film does True, move on yeah. through the years. Oh, okay. So they're heist. And Royals is sort of intended as a critique of the... Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but it is, it's I funny, mean... funny. We got both Uncut Gems and uh, Hustlers with like the 2000s nostalgia there. Well, maybe guess what my next book <laughs> <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Okay. If I had to choose three, I like it might be the Irish. I, I don't know. Well, I would. So I mean, we know, we know. I yeah, love we, Marty the and Irish. Tarantino didn't get. I know. Well, everyone probably, knows I'm gonna good. like the Irishman, sure, and sure. I'm gonna like Once Upon a Time, and there's a lot to say about this too. Go but a little more out of your wheelhouse. If I want to really talk about movies that I think deserve to be talked about, that obviously. yeah, good hustlers probably could use more. Uh, I still haven't seen it, but. Very good. Um, it is really disappointing. J- Everyone thought J Lo was a shoe in for a nomination for best actress. No, for supporting. 
but uh, supporting. Okay. Yeah, she did really well. No, we just can't forgive her for Gili. I don't know. Yeah, so my last pick, um, I sort of alluded to this earlier. This is another <laughs> Drag City release, um, mm-hmm. educating you on your seminal Thank you. independent record labels, mm-hmm. based in Chicago, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Purple Mountains with Purple Mountains, self-titled album. We love those. Um, Eponymous. So this is by David Berman of Silver Jews, and he actually <laughs> died in August. So oh, wow. like two months after this album was released basically Jesus and and he committed suicide so it's like Jesus. it's very difficult to listen to this album outside of that context is it very sad music it's very sad but it was very the way that I think about this album is that it's very deceiving mm. um, because when I first listened to it I was like ooh like this guy's you know seems like he's kind of in a bad place because <laughs> the the songs are called like all my happiness is gone is one of the tracks Darkness and Cold, Maybe I'm the Only One for Me. But he has the... One thing to know about David Berman is that... um, So he was the leader of this band called Silver Jews for years. They're kind of big in the... That was the alternate title for Uncut Jim. Silver Silver Jewels. (laughs) And he's very very much known for his... He's a very good... He's a poet, so he's not... He actually has published, like, books of poetry outside of his music. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, his ability with words is very clear. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's he's one of those artists where I think the lyrics are almost, you know, sometimes, like, the music and lyrics are equally important. Sometimes mm-hmm. the lyrics don't seem to matter and the music is his point. But mm-hmm. for him, it's like the lyrics are front and center of all this really clever wordplay. And mm-hmm. he also has this sort of sardonic mm-hmm. wit. Um, so when you listen to these songs on Purple Mountains, which was his new project after sort of being on a hiatus for, like since 2009 I think he hasn't released wow. an album in 10 years and he comes back with this and it's like this dark subject matter but it's delivered with this kind of self-deprecating sense of humor and also there's really upbeat arrangements like the songs themselves are really catchy and mm-hmm. like almost fun <laughs> and so it would be very easy listening to it to be like oh like this is you know he's being very frank about not doing well but like this very like jaunty like country rock vibe kind of but the lyrics what's great his lyrics are so memorable and Mm -hmm. like there's so many just like couplets and like little word plays that get turns of phrase turns of phrase you might say that just get stuck in your head and like you could choose any like two lines from this album literally making an album or something exactly yeah it takes and there's a lot like, of effort. there's a lot and there's like obviously a lot of creativity behind this mm-hmm. and it's really like obviously very sad and unfortunate that like literally weeks after this album was released mm-hmm. like you know he ended his life and he had been struggling for years with like drug abuse and depression and he was very open and frank about it and mm-hmm. I think that's why a lot of he's gathered so many fans over the years because people yeah you know, they identify relate with his music that. and they relate to it. And it's a way of like comfort and healing to hear someone else who's really good with words kind of express something in a way that you haven't really yeah. thought of before. Um, so it was like, yeah, like the music world was obviously like crushed, Yeah. you know, when when he died. Um, but in a way, it's like a lot of people were like, you know, he's struggled a lot through his life and, you yeah. know, he's in a, in a better place, as they say. Hopefully. 
hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he's a very interesting figure, and I would definitely recommend reading about him. Another artist that I sort of didn't really get into until 2019, thanks to the new album. Uh, yeah. So that's, yeah, that rounds out my, my picks. My last pick is Uncut Gems. Justice for Uncut Gems. Sandman! Sandman. Oh my god. You're telling me they'll nominate Todd Phillips and the Dumb and Dumber guy, but they won't nominate Adam Sandler? I know. When he finally deserves it? I'm telling you, Ben Affleck thought he was snubbed out of Best Director for Argo literally because of Geely. I'm going to have to school you on Geely after this. Clearly, uh, the Academy doesn't pay attention to your past. Right, because Fairly Brothers and whatever. So... Back to excellence. Um, Uncut Gems, as we both know, was directed by Josh and Benny Safdie. Safdie. They've done uh, various films of length before for school or whatnot, but their real directorial big budget debut was with Good Time, and that was, I'm not checking, I do believe it was 2017. It sounds right to me. Yeah. And it was starring Robert Pattinson and Benny. I think it was Benny. Benny Safdie was in the movie? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, you still haven't seen it. Um, duh. It was like no, when people started to take Robert Pattinson seriously. Yes, it was like Benny. art house actor. Yes. He had this beautiful bleached hair, and a bottle of Sprite with an acid tab dropped in is, like, a very important part. It's, again, it's another, it's a bank robbery gone wrong, um, and it's another series. Just like Uncut Gems, it's a series of escalating poor choices Mistakes. and bad luck. And, yeah. um... Sometimes good luck. So, I mean, yeah, Uncut Gems is about a jewelry salesman named Howie Ratner, a.k.a. Howie Bling. And, um, I mean, that's really all you need to know about him. But other than that, he makes a lot of bad. He bets. (laughs) He bets. He can't. That's the thing. Like, I, you know. The most common critique of that I've heard of Uncut Gems is people are just like, oh, Adam said he was so unlikable. He's so likable. To me, it's he's so undearing in his, like, idiocy. In spite of his, like, unlikable, get him a water. You want Powerade? Get him a water. I love the screaming of, like, get him a water. Um, In spite of it, like, there is just something, and maybe it's me, but there is something so endearing about. Yeah, someone who just like refuses to relent, and like I'm also loud and annoying. Yeah, and he's a, he's not <laughs> like a, it's not because the point is that he's like this sort of broken, fragile like. Right, and he has such belief in like the people around him that work and the things that work. So like at the end when Julia, you know, she's everything's terrible. He's like they couldn't sell the opal or whatever. I don't know, like okay, spoilers, but go watch it. But um. And she's like, no, it's okay. Like I said, he, I don't know. He still sees faith. And like in that moment, he's like the world aligned. And like I have, like in many ways, he's a man of faith. Like obviously he's like not a huge practicing Jew. I, we are shown them doing like the traditional holidays and stuff. But in many ways, I feel like the whole film is like about a, like a leap of faith. And, yeah, and he's, you know, he's a and complex he takes it and it pays a... off. But because he is annoying... <laughs> Just and you'll have to see. Doesn't really work. But I mean, that's the thing too. Is like the Safdie brothers have never obviously been about finite happy conclusions, which is I think why I like them a lot. And um, yeah, I don't know. There's something <laughs> I guess humbling about seeing yeah. a man make disastrous choices and 
Uh, we got phone. a dog in the studio. Yeah, my dog. She's been pretty quiet so far, though. Kicked my phone. That's expensive. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just the one of the biggest thing that stood out was like the sound design. I was gonna say yeah. Well, that's why whatever. I was. If I I don't know. The I don't know if anyone's talked about this, but like if if it was gonna be nominated one for pivotal. one category, category it yeah. would be like sound design. One of the pivotal things, yeah. So I think like one of the the interplay of words and sound. It was such a disorienting wow. view like viewing experience for mm. the first like 20 30 minutes well, you like don't know what's going camera on camera doesn't stop moving camera doesn't stop moving and people are constantly talking over each other yeah and you're sort of it's it feels like you're walking into a room with a bunch of people yelling at each other and you like which you are yeah you literally are and you, it takes yeah. you have to figure out what's going on and even then it's like yeah it's constantly pulling you like yeah by the seat of your pants yeah like, through the, through one the of the thing. biggest things said is it's a it's a one like large anxiety yeah no like, and it's panic it's such a uh and that is like what really helps create that and they also the Savdi brothers use like non-actors for a lot of stuff so they, yeah. like they had real jewel salesmen and like the yeah. little jewel shot like stuff the like big, that and the it, big like hitman was the mm-hmm. first time actor yeah and it really lends julia fox to just sort of having her like queen her moment her, yeah. oh my god i love that for her she's such a cool lady i mean <laughs> amazing and uh uh, yeah, very rarely does a film, like, sit with me in that way. Yeah, no, and that's why, like, it's sort of gotten a lot of buzz, especially it's from... It's a huge a, meme. Yeah, people who are very online, yeah. it's like Uncle Jim's is, like, the yeah. big movie. It's like but the it underdog. is, it's realistically, the it's not like it's just... But that can happen, and the movie can still be, like, forgettable. But it's, sure. like, I even, like, thematically, it's like, like I, I find man. myself thinking about this movie a lot. Yeah. Um, I disagree. Yeah, it's going to be kind of like my first reformed this year, like the movie that okay. just gets, you know, totally ignored by the Oscars, but like, yeah. you know, it's... <laughs> it'll, it'll be in your heart forever. Right, let's get these guys some power Water? Anything else? It's fine, I'm okay, it's okay. Yeah, I'm good, I'm good. Cole, you know Let me get a second. Before we leave, uh, we did want to... <laughs> I thought it would be fun, so what is... Um... Okay, well, I already said mine. What Kim Petras for music? If I had to pick my favorite and I already album said, from 2019, I would have no clue because I don't listen to music. And um, yeah, it would either be Kim Petras "Turn Off the Light" or Angel Olsen "All Mirrors." Solid put solid choices. Yeah, no, they're not. And I, I mean, uncut gems, I guess, for me is kind of the yeah, the, took choice. the cake. Yeah, yeah. Although I don't, I mean, like no parasite. Oh, parasite! No, parasite was definitely. Uncut Gems is more fresh in my mind right now, but Parasite, mm-hmm. when I saw it, was definitely, like, mm-hmm. number one. Yeah. Um, other thing I was thinking is, like, decade. Do you have one uh, one thing you want to shout out for the decade? I know I know. Uh, <laughs> I'm cinema at the cinema. Oh, well, if I had to guess him. Um... Oh, my God. Well, when I texted you about Birdman the other day, I was going to say everything changed with Birdman. But that was for me personally. So on a personal oh. level, not on like a, for film, it moved the image or whatever. But Birdman was, that was important for me. Yeah, it's funny. I, th- I think of Birdman as the first movie that I sort of latched on to as a like, yeah. I love this movie. Yeah. That's like That, Whiplash, like those. Yeah, I still like. Where, when I was really starting to get into like. Birdman gets a lot of like. I feel like now it's like, oh, you like Birdman? Like, <laughs> you think you're in a film? You know, one long you like take. the one take, yeah. But I like, I still like really love Birdman. Oh, and your Ritu is a master. I mean, I mean, he's like, you know, he's had his, I mean, babble, you know, like, <laughs> um, 
what what's it called? The Revenant. Like I thought that was fine. I was fine. Yeah, but like I don't know if if we're talking about the Mexican new wave filmmakers, like uh, <laughs> Alfonso Cuarón definitely comes out on top. Almodovar, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, people hated on Gravity, but that was also a moment. Gravity was like, and it was a technical feat too, you know. Mm-hmm. They shot um, it in space. Yeah. yeah. Can you believe that? Yeah, yeah. It's they crazy. killed George Clooney. <laughs> George Clooney. <is> just, <laughs> that's method acting. What just would your space. What would your decade be for um, music? Decade's hard because it's like hard to pick any well, one. I can think of many that are sort of like. Yeah, so, like, for our Chronicle feature, I just picked A Good Kid, Mad City, because I think of that as, like, my sort of first yeah. album that I listened to, like, critically. 50 times, like, you know. Yeah. Critically, or, like, I was, like, there when it came out, and so I was sort of present to experience all of, like, Everything. the yeah. pretend to be music critic and, like, yeah. read the reviews and stuff. Um, the discourse. Other things. One thing that I, like, my, my hot take for the decade of, like, a very underrated thing I don't know if this is something you've heard of, but Josephine Foster is a... She has this sort of wild uh, opera-trained voice, uh-huh. um, sort of reminiscent of Joanna Newsom in okay. some ways. But she's she's older, and she has a little bit more of like a niche uh, audience, I would say. But she released an album last year called Faithful Fa- Fairy Harmony. Faithful okay. Fairy Harmony. Yeah. But that is my uh, underappreciated, decade. underrated album of the decade, yeah. Josephine Foster. And Birdman, the underappreciated picture wedding <laughs> Overappreciate at the time and now has come to be. I think there's been a backlash or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's like it's cool to hate what's popular. It just dropped out of like I didn't see it in any critics it. list. Yeah, just never saw it get any recognition from critics. I mean, it was on a semi. It's not like it was on a major label, but it was on a big enough indie label that it should have gotten some. You know. Yeah. Some some love, but it's just I think it was one of those things that like it's not gonna be. It doesn't have like the you know sort of staying power. Mm. clickable like mm. cultural backstory or something it Easy. was Raymond Carver you want to say bye can I say bye 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 <laughs> yeah <laughs> you ready to go outside <laughs> yeah <laughs> you park? Go park. <laughs>